Welcome to the sermon podcast from Compass Church. In this sermon from November 14th, 2021, Pastor Craig Kidder teaches from Galatians chapter 6 and teaches us how to live in community by carrying one another's burdens and not adding to burdens. For more information, please visit compasscfc.com. Have you ever met somebody that just sucks all the air out of the room? Oh boy, welcome to church. All right. Yeah, you know, I mean, look, no, don't look around the room. Just stay looking at me, all right? Don't, they're over there. I don't need to know. I don't need to know. All right, but have you ever met people that just, you know, they come into a room and uh, let's just say the party doesn't really follow closely behind them. These people might be really good at uh, pointing out problems, right? They may feel impossible to please. They may feel like they're disrupting things through their presence. They're just kind of this hole, that, a black hole that just sucks all the joy out of a room. You ever been around someone like that? Me neither. Bye. All right, we, all know, we all know that those people, right? Those people who, I don't know, can we call them life-giving? Is that life-giving? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. But they're people that aren't really bringing contributions. They're more disruptive. Again, the party doesn't follow them around. And, and sometimes, I hate to admit this, sometimes church is the place where we experience these people. Like, for example, if you're a parent to teenagers, right, and someone comes up to you and says, hey, you know, a bunch of us parents got together, and we're really concerned about Duncan. Really concerned about Duncan? Yeah. You know, about 10 of us got together. We were just praying for Duncan. Duncan dyed his hair purple. He's got an earring, and we hear he's vaping, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, Duncan, Duncan, he's a teenager, yeah, I know, but do you really think that that's what a good godly teenager should do? Just a lot of us are concerned, all right? I love you, this is love, this is coming from a place of love, all right? I just want you to know, lots of people are worried about Duncan, all right? And really you, to be honest, I mean, what kind of parent lets their teenagers vape? Do you know how bad vaping is? You're inhaling toxic chemicals, all right? That's bad. Is that carrying a burden, or is that adding a burden? I think it happens lots of different ways, not just with parents, right? It can happen like, hey, have you heard about Kevin? No, what did Kevin do? Man, you just got to be really be praying for Kevin. We're pretty worried. Kevin's been working a lot, and you know, it's really, his kids are acting out as a result. Really? Yeah, I mean, you should see it. One of them drove a car right into a tree. They were fine, but just, you know, it's because Kevin really has been acting out. So if you just think of it, be praying for Kevin. All right? Now what have, you're at a coffee shop and you bump into Kevin, right? Let me ask you this. Has a burden been added to you or is someone helping you carry a burden? Right? Would you call that life-giving or life-taking? Right? We all, we all have people like this in our lives that maybe they're well-intentioned, right? We don't want to knock that. They could be well-intentioned or maybe they just are confused. But people that come to us maybe sounding spiritual, maybe not, and they add burdens onto it. They're not helping lift burdens. They're not coming up with solutions. They're really good at pointing out problems and offering zero solutions, all right? We all know people like that. And Paul also experienced people like that. And what he's not saying is, here's what we do, guys. We find these people and we tell them how to move from being life-taking to being life-giving, Here's just a harsh reality. We can't control other people. All right? Other people are going to do what other people do. All right? 
What Paul is saying, though, is that people who've experienced union with Jesus, people who are living into this reality of being led by the Spirit, these types of people, the goal, the target that we're aiming at is to be life-giving. That's the aspiration. And before we jump into our passage, we just have to say a quick word about aspirations versus behavior. Aspirations versus behavior. Lots of us have aspirations, all right? We may want to be successful in our field. We may want to be rich, all right? We may want to uh, be super funny, right? How do you know if something is an aspiration? Well, an aspiration is a vague goal that you cannot do right now, okay? Paul, last week, gave us lots of aspirations, right? What are our aspirations? It's the fruit of the Spirit. We're supposed to be people of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the aspirations, right? How do we know those are aspirations, though? On the count of three, we're all going to be people of love. Ready? One, two, three, go. Right? Ah, what do you do, right? All right? It's an aspiration. All right? So now what Paul is trying to do, aspirations are good, by the way. All right? We want to have aspirations. They kind of help. They're like a compass, right? They help us steer. Paul's saying the aspiration for these spirit-led communities, for these people who have union with Christ, the aspiration, what we're trying to be like, we're trying to be people of love. We're trying to be people of joy. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's the aspiration. Now, though, after he's talked about the aspiration, he gets into the nitty-gritty. He gets down in the dirt, gets into Tuesday morning, right? How do we just move this from, oh, an aspiration, I want to be a person of love, into Tuesday morning? Things are going off the rails. Things aren't going well. That person comes up to me again with a prayer request, all right? How do we be people of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control when things aren't going well. You've heard me quote this before, but it's the great theologian Mike Tyson once said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Church, we'll punch you in the face, all right? We all have the same aspiration we've all agreed on. Yeah, we want to be people of the fruit of the Spirit. And then the wheels fall off. How do we navigate that? Well, Paul maps a way forward. I mean, he's a, he's a pastor par excellence. He's giving us this aspiration, and then he's telling us how this should impact our behavior, how, the, how we can move from an aspiration to where it's actually impacting us. And the, the word behavior, it might be like, whoa, 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 is this legalism? Is Paul just like giving us rules? Is this just like behavior modification? Mm-mm. Okay? Remember, Galatians has been four and a half chapters of identity talk. Here's who you are. Here's what Jesus has done for you. You are, that's an identity statement, you are crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who lives, but Christ lives in you. That's an identity statement. Now what he's trying to help us do is experience that, that identity that's already true, in a richer and more meaningful and impactful way on Tuesday morning. If it's true on a Sunday morning where we can experience God's presence like we just did being led in worship, if that's really true that we're united to Jesus, that has to be true on a Tuesday morning and we have to experience that. So Paul gives us a map for that. He gives us a way forward. And, and it's all guided under this idea of doing good. 
right? This aspiration of doing good. Now, in English, that rings hollow and a little stale. Be people who do good, right? Like, isn't, wasn't that, was that Google's, like, slogan, like, do good or do, do no evil? That's what it was. That's a, that's a bizarre slogan if you think about it. Like, if, you're, if at your house you have written above your door, like, don't do evil, like, I'm nervous, all right? Like, just saying, all right? It's the same thing, right? Paul, like, do good. You're like, what does that mean? All right? The, the, the word do good, what it literally means is this. Take an interest in the welfare of others. Take an interest in the welfare of others. Be life-giving. We can't control other people's behaviors, but Paul's trying to close the gap between our aspirations. We want to be people who do good. We want to be life-giving, all right? We may, not, we may not be able to control other people, but we ourselves can be life-giving. That's the aspiration. He's trying to help us close the gap from the reality. Lots of us have aspirations, and then our, the reality is really far apart, and you'll experience that in a couple of months, right? They're called New Year's resolutions, all right? I really would like to run more. And you're highly motivated, right? Oh my gosh, I'm going to run. And then, you know, January 3rd comes around, you're like, oh, what did I want to do? Right? Paul's trying to help us close the gap in a real and meaningful way. All right? So he gives us the aspiration, and then he, he sends us off. Hey, here's how we can do this when it goes off the rails. All right? And the, it, it's all based around this. If we're going to do this, we have to be people who carry loads, not add loads. We have to be people who make it easier to get through life, not be people who make it harder to get through life, all right? And, and then he follows that up with a warning and an encouragement, and then Paul just gets down in the dirt with us and says, hey, I know it doesn't always work. We are not guaranteed results. You can love on people, you can give your heart away and just watch it walk right out the door, right? Parents, you can be so gracious and so present and work with your, with your kids, and they still just disregard. And Paul has hope and encouragement for people who've been burned by community. People who said, hey, I've done this. I've tried to love on people. I've tried to do it without expecting anything in return. And you know what I got? I got really hurt. Paul comes down to our level and says, I know, I get it. Let's walk through this together. But it's all under the umbrella of this aspiration. Let's be life-giving people. Let's do good to one another. The question then becomes, how? So if you have a Bible, we are on, we are in Galatians chapter 6. If uh, on the seatback Bibles in front of you, that is on the maroon ones, it's on page 1774. So we're in Galatians chapter 6, or if you're in the maroon seatback Bibles, they're under the chairs, uh, page 1774. If you don't have a Bible, you can take that with you. 1774. What happened in 1774? Was it, oh, the, oh, like the Boston Massacre, was that 1774? Yes, 1774, Galatians 6. Nixon resigned in 1974, right? I'm just wanting you to know what page number it's on, all right? 1774. All right. Galatians chapter 6. We're going to be in verses 1 through 10. And if you would, please stand with me out of reverence for God's word. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. Here we go. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin... You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch out, 
or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they're something, when they're not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone, without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Do not be tricked. Do not be lied to. Do not be bamboozled. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to their flesh, from their flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And around these parts, we say, this is the word of the Lord. Let's ask for his help. Father in heaven, this is your word. We want it to shape us. We sang earlier that your word helps us through fire. God, the fire that we are called to walk through is loving one another when the wheels fall off. The fire that you've called us to is carrying each other's burdens when it's hard. They're called burdens. Father, help us to be this life-giving community. Help us to be people who seek to do good, who seek the the welfare of others. And Lord, give us grace when we fall short. I ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat, you can have a seat. Part of the reason it's a little tricky to unpack and navigate Paul is because, again, he is ancient and eastern, and we are modern and western, and also the way he talks, he talks in circles, okay? And we kind of intuitively know this, but it's still a little confusing. So I want to just illustrate something to help us unpack it, okay? Uh, A purple elephant, a purple elephant will fall where you are standing. Therefore, move. Okay, let's just think about that sentence for a second. A purple elephant will fall where you are standing. Therefore, move. Now, If you were to just kind of dissect this sentence a little bit, it's two sentences, right? We've got one sentence saying, a purple elephant will fall where you are standing. That's a sentence. That's a complete thought, right? Therefore, move. Another sentence, another complete thought. Are we all tracking? Are we doing good? Anyone having PTSD to like high school English? This is like third grade English, by the way, so no PTSD allowed, okay? All right, so here's what's going on. We have these two sentences up here. Now, let's just say, nobody thinks like this, but hypothetically, let's just say... Uh, you're in an emergency, right? And you don't have that much time to get the message out. Which one's more important that you would say? Move! That's right! Yes, move! Okay? All right. That's exactly how Paul communicates. And it's an unnatural way for us to think, right? We don't think, we just read the message, right? Especially today, we've been trained. Any journalist students out there, you don't want to bury the... Lead. Yeah, exactly. Paul buries the lead and then he dumps stuff on it, okay? And so we just got to like untangle it. It's tricky. The lead is verse 10. Here's what Paul says. The therefore. Remember? Therefore, move. Okay? Here's what he says. Therefore, as we have opportunity. So as doors open up, as as it becomes available, let us do good. That's the command. Let's do 
good to all people, especially to those who believe. Do good. Remember we said that's taking interest in the welfare of others. To be life-giving. Remember, and that that word good, I'm not just making that up about life-giving. Remember Genesis 1, right? God makes things, and then it says, God saw that it was good. Exactly. All right? That's that idea. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. The word is really good. It's an echo back to creation, right? Creation was good. It was life-giving, right? It represented just the character and nature and goodness of God. And that's a fruit of the Spirit. And Paul is unpacking. He's given us the aspirations at the end of chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Now he's talking about what those look like in real life. How do we be people of goodness? Well, we seek the goodness of all people, right? So that's the move. Move, right? That's the most important thing. Let's be people who pursue goodness. That's the back of the cereal box, right? Galatians was this new Jesus movement. These communities of Jesus followers are popping up. Nobody's going, there's no conferences, right? Nobody's going to conferences and like, you know, finding out like how to serve their niche. Like how do we reach urban hipsters who just like fair trade coffee and how do we like suburban soccer dads who stay at home but are tech savvy? Like there's none of that. They're just like, hey, where did this Jesus communities are popping up. It's new, it's fresh, okay? And here's what he's saying. What's the cereal box? What should these Jesus communities look like? Well, they're full of people who have experienced union with Christ. They're full of people who are led by the Spirit who then are life-giving in their communities to all people. All right, what does all mean? Everybody. All, right? Not just the people we agree with, not just the people who look like us, not just people that share our worldview, not just people who share our morality, Everybody, be life-giving to everybody, all right? That is a command. It's not optional. This is what these new communities do, all right? But also, what's included in that all? The concerned parents. Did you know that Duncan is vaping, right? The, hey, I just want you to pray for Kevin. They're included in the all as well, I, you know? We don't get to pick the all, right? They're in there, those non-life-giving people, those people that are just, uh, you know, we, we've always, we, the church has always tried to have these, like, clever names to call them. Some people call them, like, extra grace required, right? Those folks, they're part of the all, all right? And Paul starts this chapter with them in mind, okay? Look back with me at verse 1, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin. Now think back. Someone is caught in a sin. In the Gospels, there are a couple stories of people who get caught in sin. Think John chapter 8. There's a woman caught in adultery. And these self-righteous people, these Pharisees, what do they do? They drag her into the center of the city. Now, Jesus, Jesus, we got a real picky one for you. Should we kill this lady? Huh? What should we do, right? Because they're trying to, they're using this woman's life to trap Jesus. Now, let me just ask you, is that carrying a burden or is that adding a burden? Especially if you're that lady, that is adding a pretty significant burden, okay? Paul is talking to the same types of folks. The Judaizers were the spiritual children of these Pharisees in the Gospels. They came to the church in Galatia and went, oh, you guys got to keep the law. Hey, hey, time out. You're not as holy as us. Let's show you how to be holy. All right, and how do they, what do they do when they catch people in sin? All right, it's party time. We get to look great. What do spirit-led people do when they catch people in sin? What does it say? 
You who live by the Spirit. Okay, what do Spirit-led people do? Restore that person gently. Restore. Connect them back to a life-giving source. Restoration. Bringing wholeness to a situation. The Judaizers, for them, catching people is almost like a game. But for spirit-led people, that's when the work starts. All right, the wheels have fallen off. How do we be people of restoration? How do we be life-giving people? Well, right there, gentleness. Uh-oh, does that sound familiar? That sounds like the fruit of the Spirit, right? That's a fruit of the Spirit. We, we can live the fruit of the Spirit out on Tuesday morning. That's what Paul's trying to help us do. He's saying you can, you can come to this person in a spirit of gentleness, all right? That's the fruit of the Spirit's being lived out on a Tuesday morning, all right? And, and it keeps going on, right? Watch out for yourselves that you may not be tempted. Then it says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, in this very short passage, with last week's included, this is the second time Paul has mentioned the law. Remember, these are the fruit of the Spirit. Against such things, there is no law. All right? And now if we live out the fruit of the Spirit, we're fulfilling the law of Christ. Okay? Here, this is exactly how the law actually works. I think it's like a backhand to the, to the Judaizers. The Ten Commandments are the aspirations. Like, here's some vague ways you can live out the law. And then the 612 commands that follow after are like, here's how that looks on Tuesday morning. Now Paul's saying, hey, new Ten Commandments, the fruit of the Spirit. How does that look on Tuesday morning? Here we go. And when you live this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. I think in Paul's writings, that's shorthand for you're living like the Sermon on the Mount. You're those people who aren't worried about tomorrow. You're those people who go the extra mile. You love your enemies when you live like this, when you're led by the Spirit. This is where the Spirit leads us. Now, let me ask you. Let's think back to Spirit-led people. We're supposed to carry burdens, not add burdens. People who have union with Christ carry, not add. Let's think back to our parents of teenagers, right? It's hard to parent a teenager, okay? The surprise is not that it's difficult, all right? If my mom were here, believe it or not, I think she would tell you that I was a remarkably easy teenager to parent. I never embarrassed them, and I was just life-giving oodles of fun. No, I, that's not true. Thank goodness my mom's not here, all right? It's not a surprise when teenagers act like teenagers, okay? And pointing it out is not carrying a burden. I know it may come from a wonderful, I, I, look, I'm being dead serious. It may come from a genuine place. I want to help. Do you know this is happening? But it, that, that desire, which is good, we affirm, needs to be met with this spirit-led wisdom, all right? That's like, am I carrying a burden or am I adding a burden? Is it a shock that teenagers sometimes, not often, but sometimes do really, really, really stupid things? Is that a shock? No, their brains aren't even connected yet, right? It's not a surprise when things fall off the rail. And if you're a teenager, we love you. I could tell you stories about my teenage years that would make you feel better about yours, okay? But here's the thing, though. It's not a surprise. Here's, here, though, here, though, is where I think Paul is trying to, hey, if you want to help, that might be the spirit in you. That's wonderful and good. We affirm that. The how we help, though, is just as important. And here's a way that might be part of this how. Verse 6. This verse feels so random, right? Paul then is talking about like, hey, let's, be, let's carry each other's burden. And then he says, pay your pastors. You're like, huh? 
right? This is what he says. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction, so that's all of us who sit under, we receive instruction, okay? In the word, that's this. Uh, should share all good things, that's money, with their instructor. You're like, what? Why talking about these communities of faith? Why now is he talking about paying your pastors? Okay, remember, they're new, okay? And like, hey, uh, let's prioritize the word. Let's free people up so they don't have to work. Like, you know, in the shops, they can come and devote full time to serving these communities. Let's invest. Let's put our money where our mouth is, okay? And then he goes on to talk about sowing and reaping, economics. Here's what he's saying. For half this passage, carrying each other's load carries with it Carrying the burdens of other people carries with it an economic burden. Put your money where your mouth is. All right? So here, let's imagine parents of teenagers. All right? It's hard to raise teenagers. Teenagers are being teenagers. All right? Which, what, do you, what does this feel like? Does this response feel like carrying a load or adding a load? Hey, Duncan. Was that the teenager's name? Duncan? Duncan. Uh, I have some extra tickets to a Cardinals game. I know no one likes the Cardinals. They're a terrible team. But would you like to come with us? A bunch of us are going, we just know you like the Cardinals. Why don't you come with us? All right? Hey, Duncan, Ariana Grande is doing a concert in Fortnite. All right? We bought tickets. We just wanted to give them to you. You're like, what does that even mean? Just ask somebody under 20, okay? It's a real thing. She really did that. I don't get it either. All right? But it's taking an interest and then investing and who do you think, who do you think is going to have more influence over that young Duncan? Is it going to be the drive-by corrector? Just want to let you know you're not adding up. Or is it going to be the person who took an interest in Duncan? Duncan likes Fortnite. Duncan likes Ariana Grande. Let's invest in what Duncan cares about. That's carrying a load. All right? That, that is saying, hey, I am invested in your welfare. I care about what you care about. I'm a 34-year-old man. I do not care about Ariana Grande or Fortnite, but I care about you. And so I'm showing up in your world. And eventually, again, there's no quick fixes. But if we're people who keep showing up, there is a higher chance that we might be people who can influence in life-giving directions. Isn't that way better? Wouldn't you rather have someone like that than just a drive-by corrector? Now look, Paul does say, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit, go restore that person. All right? That is inevitably going to, this will happen, all right? Someone shows you the skeletons in their closet. You have gained trust. They know you care. They know you love them. And they show you the skeletons in their closet. And inevitably, what might happen is like, Phew, that is just way over my head. I love you. I care for you. I don't want to be this drive-by corrector, but I can't help you. All right? Again, if we're thinking economically, verse 6. Sharing all good things, verses 7 through 9. Sowing and reaping. If we're thinking economically, what can we do? Pay for counseling. Right? I'm not going to try to fix you. I just want to send you to somebody who's been life-giving for me. Hey, here's a counselor. We, just, we paid for several sessions. We just want to be a blessing to you. We want to help carry that burden. Right? No judgment, no shame. Here. It's a gift. It's a gift. Carrying each other's burden. Putting our money where our mouth is. That's what, that's what these cards are meant to be, too. Look, if it's true, if it's true that eight out of ten of our neighbors 
couldn't care less about church. They're not connected in any meaningful way to spirit-led people who gather together. Do we really think, but we have great coffee, we've got a cool sign. Do we really think that that's going to just, the doors are going to flood open? What if we carried loaves? Remember, verse 10, to all people, doing good to all people. And again, that's not just people who agree with us. That's not just people who are like us. That's doing good to all people, being a blessing. This is a small, tangible way we can do it. And we only do it around the holidays because our motivation is higher to do it corporately. All right? You receive a motivation spike to be generous around Christmas, and we are just tapping into that. All right? We really want to be a community that does this. We thought about doing this year-round. We're like, you know what? We might do it year-round and then, like, do it 50 times, or we might do it around Christmas and do it 300 times. Let's do the 300 time. All right? Because we want to tap into that. Like, hey, here's a real tangible way you can be a person of love, joy, peace. All right? And you're like, well, that's not a big deal at all. That's such a small way. Don't underestimate don't underestimate new creation people doing new creation things. All right? Now, some of you are thinking, look, I hear what you're saying. Might even agree. This doesn't work, though. I have been on the harsh end of a restoration. All right? They were saying, we're trying to restore you. And it did not feel like a restoration. It felt like the Pharisees dragging that person in the center square, saying, look at this person. All right? Or maybe others of us have said, hey, I've given my heart. I've given my heart to a church community. I showed up, I loved, and I got hurt. All right? Hey, I have invested asking for nothing in return, and what I got in return was pain. All right? I hear you, but I'm just going to sit on the sidelines here. There's two things Paul has to say if that's us. The first one is verse 5. Listen to verse 5. Each one should carry their own load. All right? You're like, wait, didn't he just say carry each other's loads? Yes, yes, yes. But the goal is we're working toward independence. We're not trying to create codependent people like, I can't handle my life. Don't worry, I got you. I got you. We're working toward maturity. All right? We're gonna, there's going to be seasons for all of us where the wheels come off. And we need to know there's a safe place we can go. All right? For all of us. And the goal is not to stay there. We can be there as long as we need, all right? Recovery takes longer for some of us because we've just been in these habits for years, all right? So there's no shame in being in recovery for a while. But the goal is to get us out of recovery to carrying our own loads. That's what Paul's saying. Maturity is the goal. That's the first encouragement, all right? The second encouragement comes in verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, if we're not being careful and we're just reading like poof, really fast, it's like, thanks, Paul. He's like, hey, hang in there. All right, one day it might work out, right? That's not what he's saying. That is not what he's saying at all, all right? He's saying, let us not grow weary in doing good. And that is rooted in verse 7. God cannot be mocked. Here's what he's saying. Those of us who sow toward the flesh, those of us who add 
that burdens, not carry them, we receive the consequences of that type of behavior. God has so wired the world that there are negative consequences for negative behavior. If you're someone who always looks for just what's broken, who always looks for the negative, guess what? You see more and more broken and negative around you, and the negativity just, just conquers your life. That's sowing and reaping. And Paul's saying God isn't mocked. Literally, I don't know, God doesn't get a nosebleed is what it says. But I think what it's saying is like you can't turn your nose up at God. You can't ignore him in this. That's both a warning. Hey, if you're you're someone who's just adding burdens to people, watch out. Watch out. God takes this seriously. You can't turn your nose up at him. It's a warning. And it's also an encouragement. Are you tired of loving on people who don't care? Guess who sees? The one who matters. He sees. And, and it's out of that that Paul then says, don't give up. He's saying don't give up because he knows it's hard. Right? It's no surprise. Please listen to hear me say this. It is no surprise when things don't work out. It's no surprise that churches are a mess. All right? That's not a surprise. You're not allowed to be shocked when a church is a mess. That is not a surprise. It's a surprise when it works out. Whoa! It actually worked. That's amazing, right? That's what Paul's saying. Do not grow weary in doing good. Why would he have to say that if it's just easy, if it's natural that it works out? He's getting down on the floor and saying, I know it's hard. But God sees, and he's so wired the world that there is coming a day where you will receive back all you lost. The one who matters sees and he will not be mocked. You have been sowing in the spirit. You will reap a harvest. Don't give up. Hang in there. It's hard. I'm in there with you. And look, it's hard in a church like this. If you just look around, you have permission. You have permission. Look around the room. I mean, you have permission to look around the room. It's okay. I'm, no one's going to, stop looking around the room. Like, no, no, just kidding. You can look around the room, okay? We are a multi-generational church, okay? That makes this even harder. Why? Because we got boomer sensibilities in here with millennial sensitivities in here. We got Gen Z sensitivities in here with Gen X sensitivities in here, all right? All of us give and receive love differently, all right? It's hard to carry burdens. Some of us are like, I was carrying their burden. Why are they upset with me? Oh, my gosh, these Gen Z kids are so sensitive, right? Well, you know, hang on. Or maybe that's the challenge of being a multi-generational church. And that's like, I thought I was trying to carry their burden, but I added to their burden. I'm done. This is awful. Paul's saying, hang in there. Don't give up. It is hard. Right? We have to learn to talk to each other. Like Gen Z. That's people who are younger than me. All right? Gen Z, you're in the workforce now. You're getting jobs. All right? You need people with gray hair in your life. All right? There's a ton of wisdom. There's a ton of beauty and joy for the gray-haired people in here who engaged, who stayed spirit-led, who didn't give up, who didn't get cynical, who didn't always, oh, nothing's working. There are some gray-haired people in here who are the life of the party, and you would be served to meet them and know them and love them. Hey, Boomer, there are people in here who are younger than you, who have wisdom, who have things you need you would benefit greatly from getting your pride out of the way and learning from taking an interest. And the word for that is good. It's hard, but it's good. 
If we don't do that, we're just going to be an echo chamber and we're just going to be a mirror of ourselves. All right? It takes work. It's hard. I just want to be around people like me. It's way easier. I haven't found that crowd yet. So let you know, all right? But look at verse 10 again. We want to be people who do good, right? We want to be people who do good. Look back at verse 10. What does it say? Let us do good to who? All. Remember, that's not just people who look like us. That's not just people who think like us. That's not just people who share our worldview. That's not just people who have our morality, right? All. All means all. All right? But it does say especially to who? Those who belong to the family of believers. Now, here's what we have to know. The book of Galatians was not written to the church in Galatia, okay? Hang on, don't worry, I'm not like, this isn't a TED talk. Everything you know about Galatians is wrong. The book of Galatians was written to the churches of Galatia, okay? Paul was not saying, there was not one successful startup church in Galatia, and Paul's like, man, I really want that church. I want the Evangelical Free Church in Galatia to succeed at the expense of the Anglican Church in Galatia. I really want the Evangelical Free, forget the Baptists, forget the Presbyterians, just that E-Free Church, I hope they grow. No, this letter was meant to be passed around to all those churches. Also, if you're curious, the word household is plural. He says, do good to the households of faith. Do you think Paul just had his focus on one faith community in Galatia, or do you think he wanted all those faith communities growing? Oh, very good. All right. Do you think we here in Columbia should just invest all our time in one faith community, or are we better served when all faith communities are growing? Oh, yes, this is so wonderful. Okay, so here's a list of faith communities, and here's, you're, you're welcome. This is your 2022 New Year's resolution, Okay. Here's what we want to do as a faith community, us, Compass. We want to take from, what's today, November 14th? From November 14th, 2021, you've got till November 13th, 2022. Is that how calendars work? All right. You've got, you've got 365 days, and we're asking that everybody make a field trip to another church here in our city. Now, hang on for a second. We're asking you to make a field trip, and you see a list of churches here. Now, inevitably... I forgot you, a church that is awesome and matters to you, partly because it just made a square. I didn't want to mess up the square. But also, the, each of these churches, each one of these churches, you can go into that church with a high degree of confidence that say, hey, I'm from Compass Church, and you guys, this faith community, all y'all have been a tremendous blessing to either our pastor or the pastoral staff. These pastors have prayed with me, They've been generous with me. They've been kind to me. Some of them have sat around my kitchen table. We've laughed together. Molly has helped lead uh, worship events at Christian Fellowship. Luke, some of you are like, where's Luke? He's at Trinity right now helping them lead worship. Like there's a unity here. And so you can go into any of these faith communities and say, hey, thanks for being a blessing. You're doing a great job. And do you think that's going to be burden Taking or burden, uh, burden carrying or burden adding. We want to we want to take burdens away. Like, hey, we know it's really hard to do ministry right now, and we just want to be a blessing. You guys are doing it. We're so grateful you're in our city and doing ministry with us. So we take a field trip. If everyone did it next week, that'd be fantastic. If if this room was empty next week, that'd be wonderful. Because I know you're listening. But like, it would be so. We want to really be a blessing. Just go. Hey, go to the welcome center. And be like, hey. 
I'm from Compass Church, and I just want to say thank you for doing what you do. Did you know that 8 out of 10 people in Columbia, Missouri, don't have a faith community? And if we're going to reach Columbia, we need each other. So thank you. We're so glad you're here. You're crushing it. Wonderful. All right? Each one of these pastors, or, you know, Centerpoint, you know, they, all these people have been a huge blessing. There's others we forgot. If I forgot your church, it wasn't intentional. All right? It wasn't like, oh, let's leave this one out. All right? Be a blessing. We want to, if, if Paul's serious, if he's not just saying, hey, do good to the households of faith, but really just invest in your own, right? But really worry about, I mean, your numbers need to be better than the guy down the street. I don't think that was Paul's posture. And I think we, I think church in America, it gets blended with a business model. And it's like, let's build it bigger, faster, stronger, right? Why? Is our motivation just like to actually reach and love our neighbors and to be spirit-led people who do good, or is it about our ego? All right, let's just fight that, right? Go on a field trip. We encourage the staff to do this. Go, go on field trips. Just go be a blessing. Because you know what? It's so much easier. It's always easier to see what isn't there than it is to see what is there. And that's Paul's both warning and encouragement. That's verses 2 and 3. He's like, hey, some of you, you think you're something when you're not. You've gotten out of the race. You need to get back in there, right? It's so much easier to see what's not there. And I have this thing in my garage that serves as both an encouragement and a warning. This is a blanket. It's a dirty blanket because it stays in the garage. Like We use it for walks with the kids in the stroller. Uh, but this is a blanket that serves as both an encouragement and a warning to me. So it serves as an encouragement in that, uh, I don't know if any of you remember this, but a couple years ago now, uh, my second son, Boaz, one day was running around and just uh, crawling around and just drops, right? He was not really responsive. And it was, you know, I'm not a worrier. I just like run to the worst possible things that can be happening all the time. But it was scary, right? And so we go to the hospital. Our pediatrician, really wise, is like, hey, you got to get to the ER, so we take him to the ER, little tiny Bowie. He's, hooked, he's got stuff in his nose. He's got stuff all over his chest. He's got things on his finger. And he just was just lifeless in this hospital bed. And so we're there, you know, around the clock. It's exhausting. It, it's, it's hard. The wheels are falling off, right? And then, you know, one day, hey, hello. Uh, we're just from a sorority, and we would really love for you to have this blanket. We know it's hard to be in the hospital. So here, you know, we're from, like, I don't know, some sorority at Mizzou, and here, we just want to be a blessing to you. I was like, oh my gosh, thank you. Like, this is not a nice blanket, right? Like, this is, I could have made this, right? This is, a, I don't mean to sound ungrateful, but it's not a nice blanket, but I was like, oh my gosh, this is so wonderful, right? It's felt, I don't, what is this? Fleece, it's fleece, and it's like tied together, right? You know, this is not like craftsmanship, right? But I was, and it also, it's from the University of Missouri, but it's like Michigan State colors. Like, I was like, okay, <laughs> wonderful. And this is what I, this is what happened to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is so amazing. This is so... And I'm exhausted, too. I'm, like, you know, crying over this blanket. I'm like, if only the church, if only the church would do things like this. And I throw it onto a pile of stuff that you all gave me. And so I'm sitting there, like, you know, that, man, that sorority. It's a shame. They're ahead of the church. The church isn't being the church. And then I look over, and I'm like, oh, wait, there's Panda Express that Ed and Peggy just dropped off. Oh, wait, here's a bag of my favorite candy, which I got to stop telling people my favorite candy, that some, one of you dropped off while I was asleep, and you left it, and you left a note, and here I am going, if only the church. 
The church beat the sorority in by like a couple days, all right? It's so easy. It's so easy. It takes no talent, no skill. You can do it today. Be a curmudgeon. It takes no talent and ability. It's not life-giving, and it's not spirit-led. It is work to see the good that God is doing, to see evidences of grace in a community. It's a choice to move toward joy. It is not this blind optimism. Everything's great. Everything is not great. We got criticisms in the midst of this. There were some folks that were like, oh, you really should have shared that prayer request faster. There were some people like, oh, this and that. And that was hard, right? So I'm not trying to say everything works out and it's easy. But again, we're not allowed to be surprised when it doesn't work out. But when it does work out, it's beautiful. And that's the invitation. That's the cereal box that Paul's trying to point us toward. He's trying to say, this is what spirit-led people do on Tuesday. This, this is what people who are experiencing union with Jesus, this is how we go out into the world. And when we do that, we grow in our awareness of Christ's presence, that he really is with us. We carry burdens we don't add burdens. And the reason we do that is because someone carried our burden. On Calvary, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans says, while we were weak, while we couldn't carry that load on our own, Christ gave himself. Carrying each other's burdens is the gospel with skin on it. And the only appropriate response is to walk out Tuesday morning saying, Spirit, help. Help me be life-giving. We're going to take communion in just a second because we want to be people who are shaped and captivated by the cross. We want to be people who understand our burden was not only carried, but was taken away. And we've been given this new power and this new identity to be new people in the world. And it all came because of Calvary. This podcast is part of the ministry of Compass Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, please check out compasscfc.com.